I want to I want to have some fun today. <laughs> so I want you to grade the following Devar Torah. Right? I want you to give it a grade. A, B, C, or F. There's no D. <laughs> my mother was an English teacher. She said, if you got a D, it might as well be an F. So A, B, C, and F, okay? Uh, as we read this week's portion, Parshat Va'era, we're reminded of the powerful and transformative message of Moses as he speaks to Pharaoh. Through his words and actions, Moses teaches us about the importance of standing up for what is right, even in the face of great opposition. As we read in the Torah reading, Moses speaks to Pharaoh with great conviction and authority, saying, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. In these words, Moses reminds Pharaoh and all of us that the Lord is true, is the true and powerful God, and that we must always strive to follow his commandments and teachings. Moses also teaches us about the importance of being true to ourselves and standing up for what we believe in, even in the face of great opposition. As we read on in Exodus, we see Moses and Aaron, and Aaron continuing to speak out against Pharaoh, against his injustice and oppression, and we see the Lord working through them to bring about the liberation of the Israelites from slavery. In this week's portion, we are reminded that we too must be like Moses and Aaron and speak out against injustice and oppression wherever we see it. We must be true to ourselves and our beliefs, and we must always strive to follow the commandments and the teachings of God. As we read this week's portion, let us take inspiration from Moses and Aaron. Let us strive to be true to ourselves and our beliefs and to always stand up for what we think is right. May the Lord guide us and bless us on our journey. Amen. So what did you think? An A? How many people think an A? A for brevity. A for brevity? I knew Marvin would say that. We'll come back to that, Marvin. How many people think a B? A C? How many people would fail that Devar Torah? Interesting. Right? And a lot of you didn't judge, by the way. <laughs> uh, that sermon was written by ChatGPT, which is the artificial intelligence that has been in the news lately about uh, um, academic integrity uh, at uh, University of Toronto, for example, and other places as well. The idea of ChatGPT, of artificial intelligence, is I, I, log I created an account on the app, I asked it a question, and the question that I asked it was, write a sermon on Moses' speech to Pharaoh. And the first iteration was definitely Christian. <laughs> Our Lord Jesus, <laughs> um, and it went on and so forth. So you had to be even more specific. Write a Jewish sermon <laughs> on Moses speaking to Aaron. Now, I got, I, this is not an original idea. I wish I would have thought of it. Um, but this was actually something that was first done by a colleague, uh, I, someone I don't know, I, perhaps even in the reform movement, Rabbi Joshua Franklin, who is at the Jewish Center of the Hamptons, did this a couple weeks ago with Parshat Vayigash. And the question that he asked people was, 
name the author of the sermon. Name the author of the sermon. And, and it's like, it's, it's kind of, I, I don't know, that, that question didn't work for me because that's like really too hard. You know, I mean, people said Jonathan Sachs, people said this one, they said that one, but you're really just guessing unless you're someone who really reads sermons, you're, you're not gonna figure that out. Um, but the idea that he wanted to pose was, it's actually, it's, it's not a bad talk. I don't know how good of a sermon it is. I mean, I would actually say it's not so good of a sermon, but then I'd probably be accused of uh, being worried about my job and, you know, robo-rabbi for the future. Uh, so, so he did this, and, and what he noted, uh, this was reported in the Ford, that the fascinating thing is that ChatGPT can synthesize ideas very well. I can say something like, tell me about this particular parsha and how it relates to intimacy. And it was able to, to synthesize how the parsha did relate to intimacy, which was fascinating and scary, both at the same time. Um, what he pointed out in his talk was that what ChatGPT lacks in his sermon, and I would say the same in the sermon that I gave this morning, is that it doesn't have a nefesh doesn't have a soul. And more than that, it's incapable, at least at the moment, who knows what the future's gonna bring, but at least at the moment, it's incapable of any kind of critical thinking. There's no chiddush, there's no possibility of some new understanding and discovery as it relates to the Torah reading and to our lives. All it can do is scour the internet for information based on the question that it's asked and to regurgitate it in what is a pretty sensical, a decent summary of the Parsha on that topic, um, which is fascinating. But it, what it lacks is the ability to understand what people need to hear and to make the judgment choices as to which, which messages of the Torah are the most relevant for us at this moment. You can't do that at least not yet. Uh, now, one of the reasons why I thought about this particular way to address this morning's Torah reading is because it turns out that Moses had a speechwriter. When Moses stands before Pharaoh, or when before, even before Moses is about to go to Pharaoh, right, Moshe's inaugural talk appears in this morning's Torah reading. We read it in his first speech to B'nai Yisrael. It begins, say unto the children of Israel. Now, that's not Moses. That's God telling Moses to speak unto the people of Israel. God is Moses' speechwriter in this case. He tells Moshe exactly what to say. He wrote it. If this were a different religion and a different place of worship, I might be tempted to say that it was a holy ghostwriter. But since it's not, I won't. Which, of course, is a homiletical way of saying what I wanted to anyway. <laughs> I don't think ChatGPT could do that as well. Uh, but here's, here's the text. V'hotzi <laughs> 
Say unto the children of Israel, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments, and I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to, be to you a God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you unto the land concerning which I lifted up my hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you as a heritage, Ani Adonai, I am the Lord. That's the message. Marvin's happy because it's short. It's strong. It contains powerful imagery of an outstretched arm and to lift up a hand. It has a powerful message of freedom from oppression. And yet, how was it graded by those who heard it? An F. Moshe failed. The people lo shamu. They didn't listen. Why not? The Torah, you know, if we read it carefully, we could say that perhaps the people were impatient. Perhaps they were crushed, broken. After hundreds of years of slavery, perhaps they'd lost any sense of hope for the future. But that's not what Moses thinks. Moses actually thinks it's his fault. Moshe, the Torah says, refers to himself as Arel Svataim, someone who is tongue-tied, who has a, as I spoke about uh, in the comment in the E! News last week, someone who has a speech impediment. An F is what Moshe, Moshe gave himself for that speech written by God, no less. A speech written by God that was an F. That on the surface sounded really good, but in practicality, the people lo shamu, they didn't listen. They didn't pay attention. It wasn't pervasive, persuasive enough in order for them to do so. Fascinatingly, 1,700 years later, the sages of the Ushami of the Jerusalem Talmud decided it was a great speech after all. So great, in fact, they made this speech the basis for the Seder, for the Haggadah, and the ritual that we to this very day continue to perform on Erev Pesach, on Passover night. These, these words, this short speech, is about redemption. Four stages expressed in four different terms. I will bring you out, deliver, redeem, take you. Each of those statements becomes an element for the Haggadah, a different element of redemption. One of the four cups for which we say abracha over during Seder night. The rabbis in the Jerusalem Talmud cite them as the reasons for the four cups when the story of the Exodus is reenacted. Another, says Rabbi Pinchas Peli, Allah Shalom, another less homiletical reason for the four cups is that the Passover freedom meal is fashioned after the customary Greek symposium, which also included the drinking of the cups, of four cups. So the rabbis 
take a Greek ritual and they Hebraicize it along these verses to become the story, the basis of the story of redemption that we tell. That's powerful. Listen to what Pinchas Peli says. First, I will bring you out from under their burden. I will have your consciousness raised to realize that being in exile is an unbearable burden from which you must go out. In Hebrew, the word for burden is sivlot. It's close to the Hebrew word savlanut, which means patience, or sovlanut, which means tolerance. Only when a people runs out of patience, says Peli, and feels that its condition of helplessness is intolerable, is it ready for the second stage, which is the delivery from the actual bondage. And this is the part of this verse and the interpretation that I find fascinating. All of tolerance is, is, is okay only up to a point. But a people can only be redeemed when they understand that what should be intolerable has become intolerable. And it's not enough just to give a speech. One has to act on it as well. Uh, I was discussing this with Daniel yesterday, and he pointed out very astutely that in some ways, the whole endeavor of reading Torah is related to Moshe's speech. That these words are supposed to inspire us to action, to feel. That only when we feel are we motivated to act. And so every week when we come to the Torah and we read from the Torah and we engage in the study of Torah, whether it's through an actual class that takes place at 9.30 in the morning talking Torah with, with Daniel, whether it's through a sermon, whether it's through a Socratic Devar Torah as we did last week and we'll do again next week, whether it's through the conversations, I know the, the promise those, for example, uh, the other night we're having dinner together and David, you pulled out the chumash and started asking questions of your family. No matter how it is that we study Torah, we, we do that in order to feel its words and to be motivated to act. And that's not something that a ghostwriter, certainly not an AI ghostwriter like ChatGPT can ever possibly understand. Because ultimately, the study of Torah is not about the acquisition of just of knowledge. It's not about the acquisition of knowledge. It's not about being able to recite chapter and verse and to know the stories backwards and forwards in order to regurgitate them to others. The study of Torah is about the acquisition of wisdom. About wisdom. And wisdom comes from the intersection between knowledge and experience and discussion. And that's why, though I found I would probably give that sermon from ChatGPT a C. It was good. It got the facts right. It synthesized the information very well. But it didn't add any chiddush, and it didn't add any soul, and it didn't inspire me to actually want to speak out like Moshe did. 
against the injustices that we continue to face in our world. This, of course, I think, will be a topic of discussion for years to come. And it'll be both, I hope, a little fun and perhaps a little bit off-putting, but anything of value ultimately is. Shabbat Shalom.